Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, pick Guardian. Jared's handling a broken tree. Ouch. Billy Spitfire. Hey, everybody, it's me, Tony Vega. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs podcast. Yes. Tony, Baloney, and Billy. Tony, what do we do on the show? You know, Todd. For all the new listeners. For the new listeners. We get lots of new listeners. And sometimes we have to remind the old listeners, too. That is true. We talk about gear. Yes. We talk about boutique gear. We talk to and from the movers and the shakers and the makers and the breakers. Yes. People that make this stuff. We usually have them on. We talked to them. We just talked to Lindy Fralin last week. I mean, that was incredible. It was very good. Yeah. Um, but, you Great know. Great dude. Learned a lot. We, you know, we love gear. And we hope everybody listening loves gear. Yeah. And maybe everybody well, learns something. That's why we pulled Billy on. Because he's, he's got gas. He's a gear Bad. Nut. Bad gas. Whoa, I'm a gear lover. Back yep. off, buddy. You got gas. Yes. Um, but uh, and then we occasionally, and yeah. tonight is one of those times mm-hmm. where we do a 101, where we do a deep, deep, deep dive. That is true into a specific subject. And they're called 101s because we talk about things so that we are more generally informed. We're, not, you know, we'll get into some specifics, but yes. this is our chance to go. Hey, let's let's really get our heads around a topic from a layperson's perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I you know I I rolled over Jared being uh, you know having a tree broken, but his his huge tree actually did fall down like, and he's trying to deal with it. He's out in uh, Nashville, and uh, he was really he's like, can you guys no way can't you guys like postpone the show? And I'm like, no, we're all set, man, because he loves the 101s. So he does we miss love you, the Jared. 101s. Sorry you can't be here for this one. Anyhow, uh, we have got a great. Show this is going to be super fun, and we have our Mister Superhead Wonderbrain Tony, who uh, is who truly does astound and impress me with his guitar knowledge. Like uh, it, what you guys don't hear outside of the show, it, it's like it just never stops, and I'm I'm always just like wow, that's so I'm I'm just very happy to know you, Tony. Oh, thank um, you, Todd. Who and are I'm you? impressed by you. <laughs> I know everything about guitars. Yeah. I, I don't know anything I don't about know, people. <laughs> I have yes. no social skills. No, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> well, I'm losing my train of thought. Yeah, so we're Guild Guitars. Oh, guild Guitars. Guild Electric Guitars. Electric Guitars. Electric that's guitars correct. Today. That's correct. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of great things. We're going to learn some things. It's going to be fantastic. Yes. We have a few announcements to get out of the way. We need to thank... I don't know where that started, but uh, that's for road mics <laughs> uh, down in Australia. And uh, Billy, how's it feel to be talking on a road microphone? This is a road microphone. It is. It sounds wonderful, uh, doesn't it? Wow. I know. That's what we said. That's what we say every single time we get on them. So thank you to Road for providing these and uh, for making some just all around really great gear. Uh, f- especially for content makers, and so many of you listening are making content in s- in some capacity. It doesn't have to be, you know, heard by millions. It 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 can be heard by a few. It can be heard by none. But if you want to record it or capture it, uh, Rode makes a ton of great gear to be able to do that. Did you say they're from Australia? They are. I named my dog Iggy after Iggy Pop. But guess what kind of dog he is? He is an Australian. Cattle, Cattle dog. dog. Wow. Because of Road Warrior. 
Road Warrior. Wow, that's yeah. that's like he, uh, he had it. Yeah, that's so. crazy. What's I'm just making connections here. Road. Yeah, man. Hey, this is a this is a really really big deal. Yes. Legitimately. So one morning, uh, and a couple days ago, I my phone started kind of going crazy, and I was like, "What is going on?" Mm. And we were informed. Uh, by a few of our fantastic supporters oh. that we, you know what the only thing better than being number one is? Number two. Being number two. <laughs> so wrap this around your head. The knobs are number two. <laughs> Personally, I prefer number two. <laughs> yes. So uh, I, we're, I was just absolutely like beside myself when I heard this. We made it onto the... 24 top guitar podcasts you must follow must in 2022 and we are number two and two that's pretty sweet who is number two we're number two wow yeah how cool is that 2022 is not even close to being over yet no man let's take it to the top yes let's take it to two and a half i love it so i just want to thank all of our listeners for supporting for listening for sharing it with other people that you run into yeah. at shows and stuff we're like oh man you got to hear about this show or whatever man hopefully you say that hey if you want to listen to a couple idiots you should <laughs> you should send that but uh anyways i digress i'm very proud of this i am uh grateful that it was that i didn't find it i was just so happy that our supporters were like dude you guys yeah, that, was really, that was really that was really neat that was a nice email man i was beaming and you know what i kid you not I sent a text to my wife with the link. She uh, was in class. She's a teacher, and she was preparing her class stuff with her other class people. She left the class to come out to leave me a voice message, and she was, she was actually crying. She was just like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you, and it means a lot, and I know how much this show means to you, and I know how much you work on it, and that was just really moving. She didn't say anything to me. <laughs> she didn't. I've purposely not given her your phone number. Anyways, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're number two. We're, we're number two. two. We're number two. All right. What's going on in our music world? This week, we're going to start with Tanya Blonsky. Yes. He's going to tell us what's going on. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in fact, I, I sent you a message, too, to all of the knobs. Oh. Uh, this past week, I watched an excellent documentary called My Name is Lopez. Oh, right. And it is the documentary, uh, which are some of Trini Lopez's final scenes. Hmm. This was shot, I think, in 2019. He died uh, from COVID complications in 2020. Wow. And for those who don't know who Trini Lopez uh, was, uh, it's an excellent primer. Um, he was, you know, kind of a pop singer, uh, really one of the first Hispanic artists to break into, uh, not only the mainstream, uh, but into the Rat Pack. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he was a, a highly regarded, uh, artist, singer, and as well as guitar player. In fact, uh, Gibson had two Trini Lopez models that they, they introduced. One of them is basically like an ES-335 with 
the you know diamond-shaped F-holes, uh, one of Dave Grohl's personal favorites. And the other one is a full-size fat body with sharp, pointy horns and... And uh, but you know it does have a six in line headstock, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, he was really one. I think one of the few artists that have more than one artist model. Uh, so uh, I know it's on. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I know it's on a couple of other things, but it's called My Name Is Lopez. It's it's an excellent watch. If, if for nothing I, else, I'm to see looking some, forward to watching it this yeah. weekend. Secondly, I was yeah. looking at the latest issue of Vintage Guitar Magazine, and I found this really interesting because there's an article on um, a 1968 Epiphone Les Paul prototype. Oh, so in the 60s, about 66, 67, maybe um, Gibson, who owned Epiphone yeah. uh, at the time. Uh, had not made Les Pauls. And still do, I hear. It, well, they still do, yes. <laughs> that is correct. Um, but at the time, they were actually making Epiphones side-by-side side with Gibsons up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, they, um, you know, a, a proper Les Paul had really not been in place uh, since about 1961, 62, maybe. There might be some ones floating around out there. Mm-hmm. Um and so there was a plan to have Epiphone uh, release a Les Paul model. In this case, this one is a double cut, uh, but there was also, there's been some prototypes of single cut, like true Les Pauls. Um, that is interesting. Epiphone never released a double cut. Well, newer ones, newer yes. One. No, but, but, but before they re-released the double cut, right. they they never did. They'd done a whole bunch of other ones, but not a They had cut. never done a Les Paul, period. And, and unfortunately, this, this, this guitar is, is, is kind of a victim of timing because at the, about the same time, Gibson was in discussions with uh, uh, a company in Japan to introduce, basically roll the Epiphone line into a total import, which is exactly what happened by 1970. All the Epiphones were made in Japan. Because um, previous to that, Epiphones, like, I mean, they were really nice. Early, I mean, no, I'm not saying early, that, not, early, that there aren't nice ones, but... Early 60s. They were, through like, the, right through, up there with... You know, the, the very tail end of the 60s. Uh, I would put some of those up sure. against even, you know, against Gibsons. Yeah. Um, so, because they were side-by-side made. But it's really cool. It's an interesting, uh, you know, history lesson, I guess. Uh, because they, you know, they had been thinking of doing this, and then they got sidetracked into going, you know, talking to Japan to have them make all of the Epiphone line, which is what happened. And some of those early Japanese Epiphones are incredible too. Hmm. But it's it's a real interesting article. Uh, it's yeah. in the latest uh, Vintage Guitar magazine. That's really cool. Well, thank you for that, Billy. How about yourself? So this week I had comedic um, genius over here. Yes, my friend Gene <laughs> in Lancaster uh, sp- sprayed the top of my Gibson, my '80s Gibson Explorer, with white on purpose. S- yes, because well, it's a really cool guitar. It had a history, 
First, the the guy that owned it knew Dimebag. Is this a bad, bad, like a bad story? It sounds like it's going to end badly. No, it's oh, a, good. Okay, it's a fantastic so, story. So, ref, okay, got okay. So anyway, yeah. So basically, uh, the previous owner had painted it like Daryl Dimebag with camouflage, and then he painted it with Five Finger Death Punch stuff with the skull and the hand, and you know, and it was it was cool. It's fascinating, right? But I was like. Uh, but when he sold it to me, he said, you know, I'm getting rid of it because I'm putting those things in the past. You know, there were some, you know, just various stories along the way that were good memories, but some of them were bad. And he just wanted to move on. Right. And so he was, you know, voluntarily selling that guitar, you know, to symbolically represent his own right. metamorphosis into the next stage. And so he said, do with it what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said, I need to make this into a mathematics guitar. I love it. So I had the... I'm excited had about the top that. I'm so excited sprayed about white, that. and it's going to show up at the next I show. I love it. Right on. That's fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I love an explorer. Yes. I really... and So it will be oh, September cool. 3rd at Rumba. Oh, Rumba. excellent. Right on. Yeah. Rumble at Rumba. <laughs> With mathematics. I love it. Right on. And the Explorer. Very cool. What year? Uh, it's, I believe it's a 1982. Dang, that's like... Ours were back-to-back, the one that yeah. I got rid of. Shoot. Yeah. Boy, I kicked myself for that one. Yeah. But that got me into another, other stuff, so whatever. So it's now, it's so now down to... Uh, it, did, it was an HSS. Uh, now it's just down to a, a double coil um, and one knob. So... Right on. The guitar knobs... Sorry. No, that's it's cool. just one knob. That's what I did with Although the V. Although I, I, I would put a tone knob on, which is normally my thing to do. Yeah. Because I do like to roll off tone in certain situations. But, sure. You know. So. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. That's my week. Fantastic. You got to share some pictures. Hang on. Will do. All How right. about you, Todd? Can you guys well. see this picture as I'm talking? <laughs> picture this. Yeah. That's no, me. you can send it. If you send it to me, I'll post it. Okay. On, cool. on behalf of us. Uh, well, hang on, gentlemen. So I was <clears throat> on Craigslist. Craigslist. And I hit it early morning and the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah. hey, what's this? Otherwise, I would have grabbed that. Right. And I found a black Fender Squire Cabernita double pickup. Well, be clear, it's a Squire Cabernita. By Fender. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Squire Cabernita, and but it's in uh, really, really good shape. I mean, this is it's a, clean, it's a super solid, super clean. Yeah. And um, I could, I was like, well, I'm just gonna see if he wants to trade some stuff. Yeah. As it happened, the gentleman did. Mrah. So, and I also got to meet somebody downtown by the record store, and I'm like, hey, by the way, you should listen to the show. And he's like, oh, wow. So if you're listening to the show, thanks, man. I love the guitars. Good trade. It's black. Yeah. So the minute I, I'm like, flip, 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 black guitar. Wait, what's this? Uh, so Tony, yeah. my gift to you is I need a pick guard. Is that my gift? <laughs> how, is, how exactly is that a gift? Because you get to make one. <laughs> oh, So gosh. anyways, here you go, gentlemen. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really, really happy with it. So it's black, uh, maple neck, and it's got, uh, and they're, they're not filtertrons. They're called... Fidelitrons. Fidelitrons, that's right. Which is, ex- you know... It's the same thing. Fender's yeah. take on it. Fender's take on that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I like it's it. maple neck, yeah. uh, maple top, 
Yeah. On the maple fingerboard. Yeah. And um, you like nice. that? I, I knew feels, you'd like that it. Neck feels great. <laughs> it does. It's I, a nice weight. Thing. It's nice it's weight. Nice weight. Yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. no there's no fret wear ah, on it. It's, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I was just really excited because you know every once in a while you take a pot shot and you're like, oh, shoot and score. Yeah. It's nice. So, it's in really good shape. Well done, sir. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, spanking. I'm jealous. Yeah. Pretty cool. As a gearhead, I'm jealous. Yeah. Jelly, jelly, jelly. Tony? Yes, Todd. This is going to be very exciting. You've got Guild 101 for us. I'm very excited about this, Todd. I'm going to let you run away with the said spoon. Mm. Everyone, Tony Dudzik. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Todd, you know, I love Guild guitars. Why? They're affordable. Uh-huh. Even vintage ones are still very affordable. Mm-hmm. They're well-made. They sound great. They're, they're you've already run out of a man. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's and they, they feel yeah, great. They, great. Billy says they feel great. Almost everyone that I've played, and I do have one that I, I I actually had to sell because I couldn't play it, and it was an old. Uh, it was actually a first generation twelve string acoustic. No, oh. that the neck was so D shaped, I could I it hurt my hand to play. Oh man! So I had to get rid of it. But uh, all that being said, every other one that I've owned and still own. Um, they're wonderful instruments. And I like the fact that um, throughout the years, uh, whether it was through Fender's ownership or now Cordoba's ownership, um, they've done, they've been able to maintain the quality and uh, price. And it's, it's, it's just a great brand to, to be able to have. Now, we're going to focus today on Guild Electrics and primarily Guild USA uh, Electrics. Mm-hmm. USA. USA. USA, very good. Um, so briefly, let's let's just talk a little bit about uh, Guild because you know there's you know a lot of companies like Martin and Gibson that had been around since you know forever, early 1900s or turn of the century. Um, Guild was a relatively newcomer. That's a great name for a guitar. Well, um, the story goes that um, the name was uh, purchased from, uh, there was a Guild amplifier company that went out of business. And so um, uh, Alfred Dronja, I'm going to use the, the Polish pronunciation since he's a Polish guy. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, he, uh, he uh, and his family came over to the, uh, the United States Right at the very beginning of, of World War II, and in um, in 1945, he opened up a music store in New York, um, and um, that went, I guess, pretty well for a number of years. And then in 1952, uh, Alfred Dranja uh, partnered with uh, George Mann, who was from Epiphone, and he registered Guild Guitar Guitar Company. Now, at that time, Epiphone was in the process of moving away from New York to Philadelphia because there was a, uh, a union issue, apparently. Mm. And uh, so Epiphone, in their infinite wisdom, said, well, we'll just show these guys. We'll move to Philadelphia. The nice thing about it is Guild ended up uh, hiring many of the experienced craftsmen that were building Epiphone guitars. Um, so in 1953, 
uh, Guild uh, produced jazz guitars uh, primarily, and that was a, really a kind of a direct carryover from what Epiphone was doing. And in fact, a lot of the early Guild uh, Archtop jazz guitars are very similar to, to what uh, uh, Epiphone had been making at the time. Um, by the time the mid-50s rolled around, they realized that the New York workshop was just too small. So they moved to a uh, uh, to Hoboken, New Jersey. Hoboken? Hoboken. Is that what it's actually called? It's Hoboken. not Hoboken? It's Ho- Hoboken, however you want to call it. And um, at that point, um, that was when the first flat tops or general acoustics were produced out of the factory there. Um, that, again, went really well for you know, a number of years. And then in 1966, Guild sold to a company called Avnet, and they moved to Westerly, Rhode Island. Now, as, you know, as far as I can remember, Westerly, Rhode Island was really the, the home of, of Guild guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1972, Alfred Dranja was killed in a plane crash. Oh, my. He actually commuted uh, back and forth from... Uh, to, to Westerly back to his home, uh, and he flew a plane. And I don't know if there was bad weather or whatever, but unfortunately he, he died in a plane crash. That's awful. Um, but the company still carried on. And uh, really into the, you know, from 1989 to 95, no electric guilds were produced. And I think that's kind of significant because... Really, throughout that time, there was a combination of acoustic guitars, jazz guitars, and uh, electric guitars. Um, In 1995, Guild was sold to Fender. Uh, And uh, in 97, Fender opened a Guild custom shop in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. uh, Which is actually kind of cool. I don't remember ever going there and seeing it, but uh, apparently they, they did have that there. Um, in 2001, they moved to Corona, California, to Tacoma, Washington, and then ended up in... My dad was born in Tacoma, Washington. Really? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And then finally in New Hartford, Connecticut. And this, again, was, I think, an, a, a number of things. You know, uh, Corona, California, of course, is the home of Fender. Uh, Tacoma, Washington was the home of Tacoma Guitars, which Fender also owned. No kidding. And New Hartford, Connecticut was the home of Ovation, which um, which they uh, uh, Fender also owned. Um, in 2014, and this is really significant because this is kind of the modern era of Guild guitars. Yeah. Uh, Guild was sold to Cordoba, and they moved to Oxnard, California, and that's where. Uh, Cordoba was primarily known for, you know, uh, classical guitars, flamenco guitars, and they wanted to branch out, and so they ended up buying it off of off of Fender. See many Christmas. There's and a lot of crazy history right there. It's, it's there's a lot of movement, and then finally in 2015, uh, Guild USA opened up shop in Oxnard, so they opened up kind of another uh, space for U.S. production. Right, and that's significant because really between that's pretty close to Fullerton actually too. Yeah, it's it's not terribly far. No, it's you know it's a little bit a little bit north of LA. Yeah. Um, so I think it's what's important is the um, there hadn't really been Guild United States production uh, since before 1995. So I think that that's uh, I think that's kind of significant. Um, so that's a brief history. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, there's a lot of questions about model numbers on guild guitars. Mm -hmm. And some of them make sense. Many of them do not. Um, so let's just kind of go through those real quick. The letter X. X. X150, X350, X250. Uh -huh, model numbers. That stands for a thick, thick hollow body. Hollow body. That's cool. I have an X160. That's right. It's my favorite guitar of all my guitars. Yes. Really? Yes. Well, that's good. I bought it from Steve Mitchell. Yeah. Who's a, an incredible guitar player in town. Every time I see him, he says, Hey, do you, see, you thinking about selling that? <laughs> an that X, guild, a guild X160. X160. It's a rockabilly. Yeah, it's the, I, I, know I have that's a blue a, one. But I don't know. I don't think it was made in the USA. Uh, I, it was like one of those reissue ones. Like from the. Well, no, it was probably still made in the USA. Okay. Yeah. All right. So does everybody um, ask you if it's a Gretsch? It looks a lot like a Gretsch. Very much. Very um, much. But it's definitely a guild. Yeah. It's so okay. cool. Yeah. Right on. Uh, then there's the T, okay. which stands for thin hollow body. And that's kind of like the thickness of an ES-335, that kind of thing. Okay. So basically, they used a lot of the same body shapes. They made a thick version and a thin version. It's like a Starfire would fall under that. A Starfire? Well, the Starfire is its own model, but it's based on a T-series. Okay, gotcha. Uh, then there's the M, which is a small, thin hollow body, and that's like an M65, an M75. Um, then there's the uh, CE, which is a Florentine cutaway. Oh, and there's explain like a, that. Well, that's a very sharp-pointed cutaway like uh, on, a, on a jazz guitar. That's my favorite. Yeah, I know it's your favorite. Um, and then there are uh, really, I mean, there's, there's a mix of things in between. And, and in fact, some of the... <laughs> and then a very specific Dwayne Eddy. <laughs> the DE. Well, because, it, 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 and I think it's important to, to point out that Dwayne Eddy became a very uh, important representative for guild yes and they sold a lot of guitars because he played a, basically you know essentially was a gretsch uh gretsch looking instrument and you know the de uh models were very popular because Dwayne eddie was a very popular guitar player um and then in in terms of um when you think about, like, you know, we talked about 150, 250, 350, 450, the model numbers, generally speaking, the higher that the model number is, the more ornamentation, you know, fancier inlays, different things like that, and usually has gold hardware. So the higher the number, that's the highest on the food chain when it comes to guilds. And that's for acoustics, electrics, and jazz guitars. But, Tony, we're just talking about I know. Electrics. I know. Um, serial numbers. Todd, did you have questions about serial numbers? Tony, I have a question about serial numbers. Okay. Well, if you think Gibson... Oh, by the way, like uh, I just looked up on Reverb, a 66 uh, red mint Dwayne Eddy is uh, $6,500. Yeah. Just in case people are just wondering, like, what are we talking about here? But that's like also a signature model, so it's probably more. It's worth those are worth a little bit more. But yeah. you can you can get into some real vintage pieces for used to be able to get in for under three a thousand, grand. but you know, between two and three thousand dollars you can get a really decent yeah. uh vintage piece. Sixty uh, same year Guild Starfire, thirty five hundred dollars. Right there in front of me. There you go. Perfect. See how you are? Good to know. You are so quick on that computer. I am a wealth of internet information. <laughs> so let's talk serial numbers. 
So <clears throat> as with a lot of companies, serial numbers are a little bit crazy. In the case of Guild, they get really crazy because why they got very they, specific. Why do people? Oh, that's good. I mean, it's in, in one way it's good because by serial number in certain eras, you can actually tell which model you have. Right. So, for instance, let's start with the, between 1953 and 1959. Sequential numbers doesn't matter what model make or what doesn't matter what make, but whatever model and everything, they just whatever they came off the line, it's they're sequentially numbered. In 1965 through 69, they did a two-letter prefix for each model, and then sequential numbers after that. But then there's some that have no prefix, so it gets a little crazy there. Then in 1970 through 79, they went back to sequential numbers. And then really from 79 through 99, they went back to the two-letter prefix with sequential numbers. So the cool thing about those eras that do have the prefix is if you're not sure which model you have mm-hmm. by looking at a chart, and there's an excellent uh, chart from uh, on, on guildguitars.com uh, that you can download. It's a PDF, and it has basically a chart with all of these things in it. Uh, you can tell which model number you have and about when it was made. Um, from 2000 to 2005, there are no good records. So you kind of have to look at just consider it it was made it was made <laughs> at that time okay um tony as riveting as as all that math was yes um, let's talk about guitar models uh guitar because that's models. where that's where i think maybe the least amount of information is known well there are and there's uh, you know surprisingly um uh, there are only well, Aside from the tremendously obscure history that you've that you've, <laughs> there's there's us. there's one <laughs> book that's dedicated to Guild instruments through nineteen from fifty two to seventy seven, and then there are other uh, issues uh, that they talk more about you know specific solid bodies or things like that. So there's not a wealth of information, and in fact, if you go to the uh, Guild Guitars uh, website. Um, you can get a pretty good synopsis of, you know, what happened at what time. Um, so that's worth checking out if you're really interested in the history of the company. So let's talk about the models. Um, and I'll kind of go from um, maybe the earliest models into, you know, what, what transpired through modern day uh, or at least through the 2000s. Um, so the, as we said earlier, the earliest models that they made were uh, were jazz boxes, jazz hollow bodies. And, you know, there's most popular and the one that I think most people recognize is an X-175 Manhattan. And that was kind of the quintessential jazz guitar. A lot of jazz guys had those and played them. Uh, they had a whole series of Xs from 100 to 600. And again, the higher the number, the more ornamentation and the fancier the hardware. Uh, those came out really early on in, you know, from 1953 through maybe even, you know, and beyond, of course. Um, there were also some semi-hollows, um, and that would be the M series. That's like the M75 Aristocrat. And uh, those came out in the 50s and 60s. And those actually looked like um, they're shaped kind of like a Les Paul. Is that a direct... Is that like uh, the Bluesbird? What? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Because, yes, it's the same shape, but the Bluesbird, there are two versions of Bluesbirds. One was semi-hollow, one was full solid body. Um, so the, that early 
a semi-hollow jazz series or, or uh, small body series led to other models. Um, I also want to talk about there's a, a T50 and a T100. Those are known as, well, the T100 is known as the Slim Jim. Slim Jim. And that's an important model because it is what actually led to the Starfire series. And I think Starfires are probably one of the models that almost anybody that knows anything about guitars, they know a Guild Starfire. Yeah. Um, so this was a, you know, it was a, it, it's a hollow body guitar. Um, they basically, the earliest Starfires were T100s that they painted red. And um, still for jazzy stuff um, at that time, yeah? Single pickups, hollow body? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 again, you're, you're talking, these things first came out in the late 50s. Yeah. So we really weren't into the full bore rock and roll. Um, so, yeah, you could call them jazz boxes, I guess. Uh, they're a little bit thinner. Sha-na-na. Oh, I love Sha-na-na. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 yeah. yeah. I saw like a, one, of the, one of the guitar players. Bowser. Yeah. Did you see Bowser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bowser. I wanted to... you mean the juicy Bowser? <laughs> so the Starfires, those are probably the most recognized, and I think most people know a Starfire, even when they, if they just see one. If they see, or if they think Guild, they think Starfire. Right. So... Um, in the early 60s, I think 1960, I think the first one came out. There was a, then, and these go through again, they, these numbering series are a little crazy. There's a Guild uh, Starfire one, a two, and a three. A one was a single pickup neck, a two was a two pickups, and mm -hmm. with, uh, and the three was two pickups with a Bigsby style mm -hmm. uh, tailpiece. Uh, then in so that's the T100, T200, T300. Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. These are we're talking about actual Starfires now. Okay, we're, there's, we've there's one pickup and two pickup Slim Jims. So I didn't know if correct, right? Okay, yeah. The T100D is what actually became uh, the Starfire. Gotcha. Okay, um, in the early 60s, like 63 ish, uh, they came out with the four, five, and six, and uh, and that is a um, double cut version yeah those, the, now you're talking the one through threes are single cuts the four through six are double cuts and were they rounded cuts yeah. or, or did yeah, they have they, points like no the they horns? were no they they were rounded they like were a 335 rounded. okay gotcha okay. uh the the single cut uh do have uh have, have florentine or sharp points okay um in 66 missed th opportunity in my book well there you go they could have done it but there is there's, there is hope. Oh, good. Um, in 66, they came up with a 12-string version. And this is a funny story because um, uh, they presented, Al Alfred Dranja presented the first uh, Guild Starfire 12 to the Beatles. However, instead of George Harrison, who played the Rickenbacker 12, he presented it to John Lennon. And there's a great photo of him presenting it to John Lennon, and George is kind of frowning in the foreground. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, whatever. And then finally, there's a, a deep version, which they made basically a fat body uh, Starfire that came out in the late 60s, around 69. Now, to your point, Todd, there's mm -hmm. a studio series. Ooh. And the studios um, are... A double cut Florentine, 
Yes. Uh, which would would definitely make. Ooh, I see it. Oh my goodness it? sakes, that is gorgeous. There it is. Okay, I want that. I want it. <laughs> he wants one. I want it. He wants it. Hey, Mikey. And those came out in you know late around '69 into That's the got '70s. Me all over it, man. There you go. And you could probably get one for oh, a hell of a lot less than a. a yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Thirty-five hundred bucks, not a whole lot less. Well, you know. I, I don't have any stocks to sell to get that. <laughs> so that kind of covers everything in what we would call the hollow body, semi-hollow uh, realm. Also, you know, with with the advent of rock and roll and the Beatles and everything else, um, they released solid body guitars, which again, you know, they were known for acoustics and jazz boxes. And they said, hey, let's do some solid bodies. So the earliest ones, and, and they're commonly known in the biz as the Gumby solid bodies because they're <laughs> kind of like a melted Hershey bar shape. Um, uh, very unusual, but, you know, they wanted to do something different, and they did. Um, and uh, probably the highest end one was the S200 Thunderbird, and then there was an S100 and an S50. And those... Um, Thunderbirds are go. There you go. And uh, those came out in 63. Um, those ran pretty much through the end of the 60s, and then they shifted over. Uh, many of the model names were, you know, reused as uh, they were kind of like what we would call an SG shape. Now, wait, I have a question. Yes. The uh, the Guild Thunderbird, and obviously, mm -hmm. uh, they, well, they, you know, they re-released -re -re that recently. Yes. But, but before that, was the was the Gibson Thunderbird bass, that wasn't anywhere near that at the same time. There wasn't any conflict of interest. Well, Firebirds came out in 63. I don't know when the first Thunderbird bass came out. Um, I would say it would have been after that. So I'm going to look it up while we're talking. You look that up. Um, so they shifted over. I think they wanted to go a little more conservative. So they saw that Gibson was selling a lot of... SG. 63. Oh, okay. So Holy about the macro. same time. They, where was Gibson on that one? Uh, must, have, must have fired their lawyers that week. Yes. Um, so they shifted over to SG-shaped, what we would call SG. Not pure SG-shaped. But this was a series, you know, like the S100. It was like an offset SG. Yeah, slightly offset SG, yeah. but cool guitars. And, you know, those, uh, you know, the, the earliest S100s um, are really, I mean, the, even the reissues are actually quite nice. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a cool guitar and they're very comfortable. So that's, that's one to be on the, on the lookout for. Um, also, other solid bodies in the 70s, uh, the Bluesbird, which was based on the M75 uh, that we had talked about earlier, they shifted from a semi-hollow guitar into a full solid body. So it was the same shape, same everything, same layout. The, that, uh, that came out in, in 1970. Then in about mid-70s... That just looks like a, a it's less... A, it's a Les Paul style. Daunting Les Paul. Yeah, yeah. The body is yeah. a little bit wider than a Les Paul. Um, well, yeah, more roundy. Yeah, it is. I mean, because yeah. you can't fit one of those into a Les Paul case. Believe me, I've tried. 
Um, and then they also came out with an unusual, another unusual shape of the S300 or the S60. It was the lesser model. And it's just kind of a, it's really kind of hard to describe. It's got a rounded bottom edge. And then it's got, it's a double cutaway. And these were just, um, I mean, you can, you see them a lot because they're, they're not extremely popular. I mean, you see them on, on, uh, on on reverb and they eBay, almost look like Rick and like a Rick bass inspired. The horns, maybe. Yeah, uh, it's it's just an unusual guitar. Um, I've owned a couple of them. Yeah, it's unusual. <laughs> unusual indeed. Uh, what did what did you like about it? You had a couple. I mean, of they them. actually play well. Actually, it looks like it could have been made by Ovation. I think that's a fair assessment. I think we, uh, yeah. Billy, I think you need a white one of these. Wh- which shape are we talking about? This, this is, is the S60 model. Either the S60 or the S65. Ah. So this is that one. You've seen it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's these look like a... Um, well, how would you describe like that? Like something you would uh, stir your butter with. Your, your butter... But <laughs> your butter, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. You churn. Know, a churn, a churn, a churn, a butter churn. You know, yeah, you would, you'd like stick that down in there like a paddle and stir your <laughs> butter. Okay. Churn, you, you don't your stir your butter. You, you churn, churn your it. butter. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I, it's a cooking device. But the necks are great. Um, they're actually big a pretty, headstock. Well, that's that's guild because that's they use that headstock quite yeah. a bit. Um. The uh, yeah, it's an unusual guitar. Uh, it does take some getting used to, I guess, but it balances well and it sounds really good too. And the difference between the sixty and the sixty-five is the sixty-five is humbuckers. Oh, uh, sixty is uh, single coils. It, some of them had single coils, and then the S three hundred, which was the top end version of that, uh, had more ornamentation, better pickups, uh, you know, fancier mm. headstock, blah okay. blah. So that gets us through the 1970s into the 1980s. What happened in the 1980s, Todd? Everything. Hair metal. Hair metal. Aside from everything, hair metal. Aside from everything yeah, else. This is really the late 80s. Well, the Are late we 80s. Are about the early 80s or the late 80s? Well, these came out. Hair metal um, didn't come out until the late 80s. So we'll say mid to late 80s. Mid 80s. Yeah. So they came out with a brand new line of solid body guitars. Okay. Some very pointy shapes. Yes. Some ones that really, really don't make a lot of sense. Kind of like a, I mean, how would you describe that? Um, poorly. <laughs> it looks That's like right. a Russian guitar. I don't know how else to explain it. It looks like, those look like Russian guitars. Yes. It it's does. spacey. It's kind of spacey. It's really surfy. Well, there were, you know, there were a number of, of... Like something you see flying in the, like, you know, across the galaxy. like Yeah, I mean, look at that headstock, too. Yeah. Isn't that, that kind of crazy? It's like spidery and pointy. Yeah, yeah so really they, cool. they, they had a little foray into, uh, you know, what would be considered, I guess, heavy metal guitars and shapes. Um, but at the same time, they also came out with a line of super strats and uh-huh. also um, uh, a tele-style guitar and those actually any of that series in the, from the from the late 80s into the 90s i think they still made them um are actually really good guitars they're usa made super strats telecaster styles yeah um 
Also in the 1980s, the first version, uh, they did a, 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 a tribute to Brian May's guitar, the Red Special. And that's right. That was the first yeah. really replica of his guitar. And the very, very first version was not 100% accurate, and they took some liberties with it and made a couple of different styles, different tremolos, different pickups and things like that. Um, but that was, I mean, that's pretty noteworthy because, I mean, at the time, Queen was still pretty big. Um, in the 1990s, they uh, reissued the S100, and that's, again, the SG-shaped. And uh, you might remember uh, Kim Thale from Well, that's uh, the first Soundgarden. time that I ever was yeah. introduced to... Yeah, I was to... just going to talk about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's just... talk about him for a second. Because he had an S100, right? That is an S100. Okay. I went looking Soundgarden. for that guitar. And, but I didn't They're really know. Nice. Yeah. They're really nice. Yeah. yeah. Super sustained. Yeah. Really, really uh, thin necks, as I, uh, if I recall. Some of them, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it, it, to me, most of the S100s that I've played, they're, they feel like a guild guitar. I mean, there's... What, it, explain that. Because both of you have now said that. <sighs> well, it's kind of like a... Um, it's like a... The Cleveland Sea... You know exactly. That's a good way to it's put sort it. Sort of. It's what does that it's mean? It's rounded, but it's all, but it's but it's kind of flattish right on the bottom where it hit, right where it flat would go, but round. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> so it's it's kind of almost a, a moda, It's it's a, it's a little more rounded D shape. Um, because, I guess so. And, and yeah. I think yeah. a less round D. No, a more round, more rounded. More round D. Yeah. I mean the 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 very flat bottom. Uh, on most skilled guitars, a bottom of the neck is not as pronounced. We've done a terrible job of explaining what the pro- yeah. <laughs> it's like. It's a Cleveland C or a more round D. Yes. Well, well no, a D, D is a half circle and a and a line. How much more round can you? It'd be a, that'd be an O. The I'm back. Talking the, the, he's talking about the. I'm talking about the profile of the neck. Yeah. There's a D uh, profile. Uh-huh. There's a C profile. Mm-hmm. This is somewhere in between. Okay. Yeah. It's a yeah. Cleveland C. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cleveland C. <laughs> All right. Not a Cincinnati C. Okay. No. No. That's no. the opposite of a Cincinnati no. C. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so that was kind of a that's a and that's a very important reissue I think for for Guild uh, when they came out with that uh, it really helped light some. I fires. mean he was he was all over the, like every single guitar every magazine, magazine. Had him in that Guild and and like I mean I, he was a he was a big influence early on for me yeah no without a doubt I mean, louder than love like oh yeah. man that light that lit me up big time yeah. so also in the nineties um, they reissued the Brian May special which was a more accurate replica of his red special. And I think he was probably happier with it. I think a lot of people uh, seek out that particular version because it is closer to, to his, his actual guitar. Yeah. Um, That's pretty um, bold to come out with a, like, ta-da, and it flops, and they go, you know what we should do? Let's do that again. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we made it even more closer to the thing that we missed. Yeah. That, I know. <laughs> I know. That, that could have been absolutely disastrous. It could have been, but it wasn't. Um, and then finally, you know, the, in addition to guitars, they also made a line of basses, and I'll just kind of touch on those a little bit. So, you going to talk about the Jetstar? Uh, yeah, I am going to talk about that. See, when you said, 
you asked me what my opinion was of mm-hmm. the shapes. Yes. And um, so I would say the Jetstar looks more like Gumby. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's a reissue of that model to a degree, is it not, Tony? Um, it is, yes. Now, now and to, then to be clear, the yeah. Jetstar, uh, probably a lot of you have seen them on your local Craigslist or in used guitar shops. I think a lot of them were out there. And, I mean, I, I always see them used in, in used for yeah. sale. Yeah. Uh, I think the body shape is maybe a little too weird for people to handle unless you really love it. And yeah, I that's think my own, that's th- my own and, opinion. And, and, my, and I've picked up several of those. And some of them are super comfortable if the wood is, a, is the right weight. Yeah. And some of them are super uncomfortable if the wood is not the right weight. And well, I, I, I can't explain it to you, but there's something about the balance of those. Do you think there was a no. genesis for the idea of that shape, or was it just like, hey, let's make a weird shape? It's, it's, like, a, it's like a billy bow on acid. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was the show, you know, Gumby and Pokey, right? So, yeah. I mean, you well, know, maybe, but, it was, but, but maybe the, it was a cool shape back then. I don't know. Yeah. See, I would say the, uh, what is it, the, the S, is this the 60? That's a 300. Okay, the, uh, th- the, okay so the S300, that one looks more like Pokey. <laughs> and the Jetstar looks more like Gumby. So Gumby just, just saying. Yeah, the, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... The Jetstar is a little bit more fendery looking, where the the S two hundred is a little bit more sharper and stuff like you know. So it's yeah yeah, yeah. okay it's yeah. Like, it's like a paddle with a thumb. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So in terms of bases, there is the Starfire base, which is basically the you know the body of a Guild Starfire double cut. That they converted into a you know, longer neck, made it into a base. Mm-hmm. There's the Jet Star, which is the kind of Gumby bodied uh, shape uh, that you know again shares uh, the same thing as, as some of the earlier uh, uh, models. And then there's the M85, and, and fans of Cheryl Crow might recognize that one. She's known to play when she plays bass to play a Guild M85. Um, and then there were the same shape as, you know, we're talking about the S60s and the S300s. There's the B301 and 302, which are the, that same body shape. And, um, and then finally, there was the, the you know, I think as we get into the late 80s, into the 90s, there was the pilot base. And it's actually, that is, I, I think it's a bargain because it's a USA-made base. They generally don't go for a lot of money. They're very comfortable. Um, the body shape is kind it's of like, like an a, American Ibanez. Well, it's it's a point. It's a pointier jazz bass, I guess, is, is how I would describe it. Yeah, and they're they're wonderful instruments, and they sound good. They play well, and they don't cost a lot of money. So I think those that's a, that's a real bargain for you bass yeah. players out there. Uh, no, typically no pick guard. Yeah, I mean that was pretty typical of that era, era. of guitars. Yeah. Um, but uh, play clean and fast. I don't need no pick guard, baby. <laughs> The pick guy just gets in my way. So so that's kind of a brief model history. Can't play no pick guard with EMGs, baby. <laughs> well, I don't know. Don't get me started. I don't, know that's, don't get me started. I don't started. know if that's real or not. <laughs> um, 
So speaking of pickups. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly, Guild is one company that never made their own pickups. Well, that answers one of the so questions I had. So they had no pickup line. Oh. <laughs> so the earliest ones. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, were made by a company called Franz, and those from the late 50s into, you know, the early 60s. And what these are are essentially, I would call them very comparable to P90 pickups. Uh-huh. Um, they're about the same size. The covers are gener- a little more squared off than a P90 cover. Yeah, they're like template-pressed tops, right? Like they've got, um, by that I mean like they've been uh, stamped metal. Where no, these are actually plastic covers. Oh, okay. Well, and some of the ones that we've been looking at, they have metal tops that are like sort of stamped covers. Right. Those those would be more in the humbucker line. Okay, gotcha. So, um, so those were, and actually, some of those are my some of my favorite pickups um, because they actually, I think, to me, sound the best. Even I, I might like them a little bit better than than real P nineties. Oh, really? So. That's that's, a bold statement, Tony. It's very bold. I stand by my statement. Mm. Um, As with many other manufacturers of the day, like Gretsch and and a couple of others, they also use DeArmond pickups Um, and, you know, single coils primarily. Um, Mid, early to mid 60s, they came out with the, the, and this is kind of the quintessential guild pickup, the HB1. They called it an anti-hum pickup, but it's essentially a, a humbucker uh, with a kind of a fancy stamped cover, uh, as Todd was yeah. talking about earlier. And so it makes it stand apart a little bit. Um, those are some of the nicest. Uh, think I, think like Japanese style pickup. Yeah, sort of, yeah, with yeah. a raised center section. Yeah, and, and just different shapes. And, yeah, yeah, but uh, but those are actually some very very good pickups. Um, they made a couple versions, a full-size humbucker. They did a mini humbucker version of that as well. And again, these were all made out of house. So they just de- dealt with electronic and this is still supply all American places. Made stuff. But it's still made in the USA, yes. And then, you know, there was an era uh, where they used DiMarzio pickups. And yeah. they also used a lot of Seymour Duncan pickups. Um, so, you know, throughout the, the ages, you could find a, a pretty decent. Uh, set of pickups. They had some Japanese pickups that that were made during a time. They used some Hagstrom pickups and different things like that. But you know, primarily those are the the main ones that that they had used. Um, in terms of tailpiece and vibratos, you know, the when you look at a, at a lot of guilds, there's the harp tailpiece, uh, which is pretty recognizable. I mean, it's a good looking uh, cast tailpiece. Uh, for a non-vibrato guitar. And they used them on Starfires, the ones without vibratos, through really the whole model line. So really nice-looking things. Um, they also used the earliest 60s Bigsby's were true Bigsby's, Mark Bigsby. Eventually, they uh, contracted with Bigsby to make Guild-branded uh, Bigsby's that look very much the same, except it says Guild or has a G on it instead of uh, Bigsby. And then in the 60s, they also uh, worked with uh, uh, Hagstrom uh, and mm-hmm. used the, uh, their, their vibrato system. And that's kind of an unusual vibrato. Um, it's huh. in some ways similar to a, um, 
to to like a jazz master or jaguar um trem system but it's 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 not as sunk into the body like as, you know there's a lot more routing in a fender body when, on a jazz master or a jaguar mm-hmm. and it's um and these were on their solid bodies then the only on the solid only bodies on the solid, yeah. yeah those only appear on solid bodies almost every uh hollow body or semi hollow does have a uh, a true you know a bigsby or a guild bigsby um in terms of bridges the earliest ones had you know basically that your typical arch top wooden bridge you know carved somewhat compensated uh and um they also used usually on models that were equipped with Bigsby's. They had a Bigsby bridge, which is the cast aluminum bridge. Uh-huh. We see that a lot. But, but if you see, I mean, almost every picture I've ever seen of a guild with a quote unquote Bigsby, mm-hmm. it is stamped guild. Right. And as I said, except for the very earliest. Uh, uh, ones like in like 1960 or 61 on Starfires, right. you'll sometimes find actual Bigsby's. Okay. In fact, I have a 61. But if you get uh, anything later than that, if it has a Bigsby, then it's probably been replaced. The it's original prob- guilds are r- probably been replaced. been replaced. Correct. Um, there were um, also. Um, oh, the Hagstrom Bridge. Uh, again, that went along with. The the Hagstrom uh, uh, vibratos that they were using. Now, what year or what years are we talking about? These are the, mo- the Hagstrom stuff usually appears in the in the sixties, okay, into the seventies. That seems like a weird combination because Hagstroms back then were still being made in Sweden, correct? But guilds are being made here. Yeah, and they were buying the parts from Sweden. That's that's wild. I mean, because they were similar guitars, very similar. I mean, the Hagstrom Viking and the and the Guild Starfire. Well, but but they only, but they only use the the uh, the vibratos on um, on solid body guitars, as we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so they, they even have the same harp, uh, the the harp tailpiece. I mean, it's that's also extremely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I say extremely similar, I mean. Borderline identical. <laughs> <laughs> Just one has an H them. and one has a G. I mean, maybe they were, they were sharing stuff back and forth. Yeah. Um, and the final bridge that, that you know that we can talk about is uh, there was a Mueller, 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 Mueller. Uh, adjustomatic, and it was basically a German version of the of the Hagstrom bridge. Now, the, the problem with with both of those bridges is they don't fit standard size the, the uh what we call standard gibson size uh tunematic bridges mm-hmm. they're similar in function but you can't just replace them one bridge for the other um so that's that's one thing to look for if uh you know if you've got a bad bridge you don't have a lot of options generally speaking you almost have to uh, plug holes and drop in a, a, a different bridge um Let's talk about weird idiosyncrasies. Yes, let's. That's our favorite stuff. So uh, one of the, the, the I think they're kind of cool, although they also uh, resulted in a lot of broken headstocks, is on these Gumby-shaped bodies, the S200 Thunderbird and the S100 Polara. They had a kickstand on the back that you could actually kick out and your guitar would stand up on it. 
And um, it was not, um, how shall we say, very sturdy. <laughs> and it is, uh, I, I, you know, there, there's lots of tales of, you know, those things just falling over. And because primarily those guitars had mahogany necks and mahogany bodies, you either got a headstock break or a body joint break. Um, because they just tipped over or the stand failed or somebody bumped into it and it just... I totally you know, forgot about those. Yeah, the yeah, kickstands. I have seen those. Yeah. Yep. In fact, when they reissued the S200, um, I, had, I had talked to uh, one of my contacts at Guild and, and asked, did you put the kickstand on? And he said, no, we're never putting a kickstand <laughs> on another guitar. So, but I think it would still be kind of cool. Um the other thing we talked a little bit about when it came to vibratos and, and uh, bridges was the Hagstrom connection. And those bridge, you know, the, the vibratos in particular, they take a little getting used to because they don't react. I, they always seem stiffer to me than like a Jazzmaster or Jaguar bridge. And I don't know if it's the spring tension or the construction method or whatever, but it's, it, they, they don't have the same soft you know, flow that you can, if, if you have a well set up jazz master or Jaguar, you can really get those subtle things. It feels like you almost have to work it a little bit harder. Yeah. I think it's that string angle. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, yeah, that's, right, it's just so close to the pivot point Yep, that it takes a little bit of inertia to get over it. And then once you're over it, it's okay. But yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. Yes. Wonky. Wonky. That's a good way to put it. Um, Another weird thing is on the S50 and S90 Gumby models, they had, we, it's commonly called the ashtray bridge and tailpiece combination. All right. Where you actually flipped up uh, this cover. Yeah, like a Telecaster ashtray bridge. Except this cover. was hinged. And it was literally hinged for hinged smoking. To, to, well, no, to change strings oh, and things. But for smoking. But for smoking, too, for Todd's case. Put your stash. <laughs> Put your stash in, damn, man. But that's kind of a weird thing that you see. I, I, I remember the first model that I had that had that, that style on there. I, I, I had to look at it for a little bit because it, you really have to want to open it in mm -hmm. order to open it. And I finally figured out, of course, how to do it. Right. And then there's like a little metal bridge underneath that you can raise and lower. And there's a, a, a tailpiece part of it that the strings go through. Huh. So it's just this one piece quirky kind of little thing. Quirky thing. The S100C. So we talked the SG shaped. And I had one of these for a number of years. This is the oak leaf and acorn carved mm. uh, S100. <laughs> and this was, again. There have been a couple famous owners of those, as I recall. Me. Well, yes, he is. Uh, and some other guy, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this was, uh, you know, basically an S100, the SG-shaped one. And uh, I don't know if they were machine-carved. I would assume they were machine-carved. But they had these uh, oak leaves yeah. and, and acorns carved into them. And they're... Think, think Lemmy's base. Similar to Lemmy's base. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a, it's just kind of a strange thing, and I don't know how many they sold, but they sold at least two. Seems like if you had one of those guitars, you'd be singing like Holly's tunes or something, you know, or like yeah, or Willie Nelson. Yeah, or... that I <laughs> Tony, why did you buy that guitar? I mean, like that's that's like the most <laughs> '70s 
<laughs> guitar I can possibly think of. That's like, why I bought yeah. it. <laughs> like, like, like sweaty alcohol face, like, 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 like bread, you know bread. what I mean? Or, yeah, uh, like, you know. shirts too tight, beard, like, you know. Three dog night. Red Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. It's even, yeah. it's even spacier than I, that. I just thought it was kind of cool. I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they're neat guitars. What do you think about now the, the, the diagonal bridge that the tailpiece? Yeah. Tail, diagonal tailpiece. I don't think it really makes any difference. It was just a style thing. Well, yeah, but what is, I mean, are you a fan of that style? Does it matter? What do you think? It doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother you at all. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, um, you know, ladder versions, they, they, uh, in some of the reissues, I think they used more of a standard tunematic, you know, Gibson style, uh, tailpiece and bridge, but yeah, the slanted block down below. I mean, it's a pretty hefty hunk of brass that's, pr- that's plated. Yeah. So it's, and it's I, I think literally, it, I think it makes body. a nice break angle it does. over the bridge. And I think, so having, I think that's the advantage. The disadvantage right. is obviously retrofitting with, with anything else. Yeah. I can't put my Dusenbergs on those. No, no, you know? no. You and, could. It would just be or a big pretty weird. or anything else. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to change the holes. Yeah, you know. So whatever. How do you think that they got away with making that that uh, model, which looks very almost identical to an SG at the time? I I don't know. I, I don't know if <laughs> you know if Gibson. Uh, had trademarked body shapes. I mean, they never did. It was always headstock shapes. Right, but, you know, but their headstock shapes, I mean, I don't know. Well, the very earliest uh, guilds headstock shapes were, as it's called the open book, you know, what we yeah. think of of the, of, of the Gibson. Those very earliest ones did have the same head sh- headstock shape as, as a Gibson. Yeah, crazy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think things were maybe a little less litigious back then. Although from some of the stories you hear between, you know, Fender and and a couple of other places and Gretsch and, and things, I think maybe they were settled outside of court, maybe more so, and they just decided <laughs> yeah. to live. Well, in and the, on the, that note, how did how did the ESP ever get away with making the Vipers? Which, yeah, it's it's just anyway, just interesting. Well, I think which is basically just a slightly. Offset. I think it's, but if it's if it's different enough, enough, yeah, you know, you could say, well, all double cutaway guitars are the same, but they're not. They're not. Strat's not a SG. No, no. it's crazy. So there you go. Okay, so let's uh, move on with other this weird here. stuff. Yes. Um, a lot of the jazz boxes have a master volume, uh, usually under you know on the lower cutaway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think those got added, uh, but in fact, those are factory standard. Uh, it was usually a little teeny tiny knob. And again, I think it stems from their history in the jazz world. You know, a lot of jazz guitar players would use that master volume to, you know, keep their volume at a you know, stage level or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, in that same token, mini toggles. And we all know that in, in the 1970s, there are a lot yeah. of guitars that had were butchered by adding mini toggles and things. Right. Well, S one hundreds. Did BC Rich kind of make those things famous? 
I don't know. Alembic always had a lot the Alembic of... Alembic had, yeah. Uh, tons but that, of but mini toggles. That's a totally different... That's, I mean, that's not a consumer-grade yeah, instrument. I agree. That. But I, I think the, the a lot of the mini toggles, they came in, uh, or oh, even PVs, T60s, yeah, T40s. True, true. They they too had true, it was true. and it was I think that was a seventies thing to do yeah um, but a lot of people think like S one hundreds for instance the SG shaped ones um, think that somebody added a toggle switch well they came factory that way yeah so you know there that's that's kind of a just a you know not I love my switches baby <laughs> there it is. Okay, keep moving. I'm moving. I'm moving as fast as I can, but you keep interrupting me. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I like this one in particular because most knobs go from zero to ten. Yes. Most vintage guild knobs go from zero to nine. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. Did not know that. They stop stop at nine. Number nine? Number nine. Number nine. Maybe it's a a whole Beatles thing. I always wanted to do that on with a microphone. (laughs) You just did. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> the German version. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and I think the, the kind of the last idiosyncrasy, um, and I think it, it really does make the guitar, or it says Guild, is the stair-step pickguard. Yes, that and is a... It's, it's a mainstay. The earliest ones... The Armand was doing that stuff too, weren't they? Uh, the Armand made pickups. Tell us about the, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> well, but tell us about the Diarmond. Well, we will talk Gil- about. Are you going to talk about that? We're going to talk about that. Uh, let's talk about that. Billy's jumping at the but. D'Angelico was D'Angelico. doing steppy stuff yeah. too. Oh well, he is stuff. his. Yeah, his stuff was. You know, I mean, it was Art Deco up eight or, the wazoo. Eight or ten like, plies of binding yeah, yeah, and yeah. those yeah. those guards are crazy. But. Um, I think that again. I think it, it, it's a carryover from the jazz world. Yeah. But the earliest guitars did have a more rounded pickguard. Um, but the latter, you know, really from it the, seems like uh, like the Guild stuff. It's like the ninety percent of it is like yes, and then there's like, but like <laughs> every every one of the models has like a but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which which can be super endearing True. too, but it's like yeah, I don't know. It's kind of odd. It's quirky. It's quirky, odd, endearing. Yes, all at the same time. Yeah. Player. So let's talk about players. Player. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so Guild's first real endorsement. You're not going to talk to me about Johnny Smith, are you? I'm going to talk to you about Johnny Smith. <laughs> Johnny Smith uh, was a famous jazz player in the 1950s, mm-hmm. and really the first endorsee of Guild Guitars. They made several models. Um, were, were the guitar companies like clamoring? I, I, I'm curious. At what point did guitar companies, you may not have this answer, go like, you know what? You don't really sell guitars as if we had signature guitars. Well, I mean, we see it on Guilds. We see it on Gretsch. Uh, we don't see it so much. Well, I mean, Gibson had a few artist models. You really don't see it much on Fender models in, until, until the 60s, right? Oh, I mean, no, even later than that. I mean, they really didn't start releasing models until 
the seventies or eighties. Interesting of of you know actual true artist models. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess the, you know there, there's they felt that there was some um, value in having you know a famous player endorse a guitar, um, but not a signature. There's a difference between an endorsement and an endorsement. Yeah, and a signature model. Yeah, that's true. Because um, the Beach Boys and and uh, oh the ast uh, the uh, astronauts no the oh there was another sort of like beachy like surfy band it was like called the Astros or the astronauts or the space there, yeah there was the astronauts uh, at, it might be the astronauts yeah there was but they played Jan all Fender stuff all Fender stuff all oh. Fender guitars and all mm-hmm. Fender amps not the Beach Boys not the Beach Boys um, but then you had the Ventures. Yeah, and working with Moserite. Yep. I mean, there, so there were. I think maybe maybe it's just for smaller companies. They felt that that gave them a little bit of an edge. Yeah. And they felt that there would be a, a maybe some built-in. If I'm wrong about the astronauts, don't throw rocks at me. Sorry. <laughs> Hit them. Hit them hard. Go ahead. Um, Moon rocks. So anyhow, Johnny Smith um, played Guild Jazz Boxes, and. Eventually, his you know the, the the top of the top of the heap of any guild guitar is the Artist Award, and it's a I mean they're beautiful instruments without a doubt. I mean they are just gorgeous, extra ornamentation. Sure. Um, so that was kind of his his contribution to help with the design, I guess. Okay. Um, eventually, that kind of soured, so they went looking in other avenues. And Dwayne Eddy is is another uh, Ooh, very. He- He's a dual, he, just like uh, 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 Lopez. Trini. Trini. Yes. Yeah, so Dwayne Eddy was also sponsored by um, uh, Gibson. Yeah. Yes. Gilda and Gibson. Yeah. Yes. So Wild. Did I he have a they, Gretsch for a while? I thought he, his, his initial guitar was a 6120. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of led to, uh, uh, to Gild making them. We paused really quick to make sure that I wasn't speaking out the side of my neck here. Or hallucinating. Or hallucinating. There is, in fact, a Dwayne Eddy signature model from Gibson that was released in 2004. Ah. And it seems to be sort of a nod to the actual Guild guitar introduced, uh, the, the Dwayne Eddy, which Eddy, Dwayne Eddy, was the first rock and roll guitarist ever to have the signature model guitar. How about that? In 1961. Okay, for for Guild. Yeah, there you go. And then also he had a Gretsch model. That's right. Wow, the, all, the, all three G's. <laughs> One of them post post posthumous posthumously. Posthumously. I, I knew I was going to get there. You got it. Keep going, Tony. All right. Ah, uh, other famous <laughs> players. How about Merle Travis? Merle Travis. You know Merle Travis. Yes. Um, he Just uh, a relative of Merle Haggard and Randy Travis. No. Okay. <laughs> but maybe so. Let's check the lineage. No, it's not. Let's just keep moving. Okay. Um, so he played uh, a custom-ordered X500, which was a pretty high-end guild model. Uh-huh. Um, but then all hell broke loose, and he inter- there is a Merle Travis model guitar that is unbelievable. You just have to you have to see this thing. Um, it is so ornate, crazy headstock. 
crazy pickup configuration. It's got an oval sound hole. It's it's there. It's it, it's it's you have to actually see it. It's got swirls and ridges. It's got raised. Look at the binding uh, on that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Star yeah. inlays. Oh I mean, God. come on. Yeah. What what more can you ask for? So that is a really cool guitar, and I think uh, um, he had a Bigsby signature one too. Yes. Yeah. Well, big, uh, which Paul, is even weirder. Paul Bigsby made that guitar for him. That was oh, okay. the f- one of the first solid bodies guitars yeah. ever made. Um. All right. Who else we got? We got uh, Buddy Guy, who played a Starfire. Mm-hmm. Muddy Waters, who played the S two hundred Thunderbird. Interesting. There's a really cool photo of him in like a choir gown playing the an S two hundred. All right. Gotta love Muddy. Uh, Roy Buchanan. Uh, he had a signature model, and that's kind of a Telecaster-based model. Sounds like a gospel player. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> uh, Slash. Slash. That's he, a made-up name. No, it's his real name. <laughs> he had a double <laughs> he had a, he had a double neck guild. Right. That is the, it's, it was called the Crossroads Double Neck, and he actually toured with that. It, it was half acoustic guitar, half electric guitar. Yeah. So he could use the same guitar and just switch between the two. Yeah. Get the two different tones. Uh, Brian May, of course, we talked a little bit about that before. He had a signature model. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motley Crue, the gang the at crew. Motley Crue, they had the Flying Star guitar and bass. Uh, JJ French from Twisted Sister, uh, he had an X79. And uh, Kim Thale from Soundgarden, we talked a little yeah. about about Kim too. And that was, you know, I think that, that was, a, as Todd said, it was an introduction to the Guild line. Uh, that maybe, you know, hadn't been around for a number of years. Yeah. Um, so that's just that. He I mean, also plays really, really lightweight strings. I think like eights, if I'm not mistaken. That could be. That could be. I think Which Bowie is weird because he plays ooh, such heavy, yeah. heavy music. Right. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, there, and, and there's a lot of other <laughs> famous players, too. I mean, I just kind of touched through the, yeah. you know. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah. Th- there's a, there's a lot on there. That is incredible. Um, I'm gonna fast forward if you don't mind, Tony. Yes. I want to ask a couple questions because this this history is making me thirsty. Okay. Um, drink so away. W- I, I think it's fair to say uh, when you're when you're referencing all the the you know the the noted brands throughout history and retaining huge dollar amounts and sought after guitars and everything. Why don't you think? I'm going to make the assumption mm-hmm. that Guild doesn't necessarily get the same accolade and or desirability. Um, I think it has a lot to do with um, the players associated associated with them maybe aren't as popular or, 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 or there are you know a lot of other more famous players that are playing Gibsons and Fenders and right. things like that, more mainstream kinds of things. Personally, I think Guild Guitars, I would put them up against any, any, of, the, of, those. any of those, I yeah. would, especially on the Gibson line. How much do you think it has to do with the fact that like when you look at a Guild, if you looked at a bunch of uh, guitars you it would be hard to say oh that one's a guild mm. because they look well except for the the Hershey bar and Gumby right, ones and, right but, uh, aside from those but yeah the mainstream guilds uh, the mainstream guilds uh, most of the ones that we talked about look like a Gretsch or a Gibson or or a Gretsch or a Gibson <laughs> yeah I would um, I mean I, w- I w- or a Hagstrom I, I would agree with that 
And I don't know if, I mean, part of it is. I wonder if that, how much that hurt, hurt them not having like a, a true, uh, distinct body shape or attribute. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's Variances, a very good point, yeah, but, but no, I, I, that raises a very good point. I mean, there, you know, if you look, you can tell what, it, you know, right. especially in the headstock, a fender, you can tell, you know, a Les Paul. Yeah. An ES-335. Yeah. Things like that. Which is, I'm, this is going to be controversial, but I'd much rather have the uh, the Guild um, Studio or the, the Hagstrom Viking that I have mm-hmm. over a 335. Just it, take away value. Mm-hmm. Just the, the appointments and the body style, I, I like them yeah. a lot. I don't know. But that's that, just me. That, that's, a, that's an entry. I mean, there aren't as many. Uh, they weren't as mass-produced. There's a lot of guilds floating around out there, yeah. but not nearly to the extent of I was Fender. Gonna, I was going to say that because I remember, you know, in my early days of playing guitar, it's like you'd run across Fenders. You'd run across some Gibsons once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guild was rare. Rare, rare, rare. Yeah. yeah. And then even after I started, you know, uh, after I got through my garage sale phase of, of fixing up guitars, and then I would go and look in... You know, the pawn shops or wherever. I mean, it just wasn't, there weren't that many around, mm-hmm. you know, used or new or otherwise. The most you ever see is even now it's at shows, guitar shows. It's like you'll see a Starfire here and there, but yeah, not much else. No, that's true, especially vintage ones. I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah. not as common. Well, and, you know, when, yeah. when we were talking about Kim Thale, at the height, at the height of Soundgarden, before... "Quote unquote," when grunge hit, grunge had already been going on for a couple of years. Everybody just so everybody knows, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you see the advertisements for for you know him playing the guild, but like you couldn't even find one in a in, in a guitar shop, not even guitar center. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Yes, um, yeah. So I, I I think that I mean those those are all excellent points. I think part of it is the rarity. Part of it is. So what's the des- what is the desirability? Can you guys tell me like why you would want one? Um, I would say the first guild I picked up with was an S one hundred. I didn't buy it because they were asking quite a bit for it because it was a really really well made guitar, mm-hmm. and I just I held this thing and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all mahogany. It was just it had this resonance that felt good. But you could tell it was going to sound good whether it's plugged in or not plugged in, which mm-hmm. is always the test in my head, you know. And um, it was awesome. But then I fell in love with Guilds when Fender bought Guild and they started making these D'Armonds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, made under the D'Armond name. And they were copies of Guilds. That's kind of a head screw. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So for several years, there were uh, there was a whole line of D'Armond guitars, and they were all copies of Guilds. They had the they had the Bluesbird basic thing, which was they had the M seventy fives and M seventy sevens and um Starfires. They, they, they had, had Starfires, they your, had the, the T they had the T T four hundred. T four hundred. I love that thing. Yeah, that's a total um, rockabilly guitar. Yeah, and they were just they were just so well made, and I got them 
cheap. Yep. Uh, pretty sure I bought them secondhand. Um, well, there was a period of time then, when you so could buy like, them brand new because brand they were new. liquidating them. Yeah. I'm not sure oh, right. entirely what happened, but I, I bought probably three or four of them, yeah. either through Musician's Friend or Sam Ash or something like that. And they were... <laughs> And, and they the, were stupidly low priced. And the cool thing was they had great colors, which I think Guild never really had cool colors. They had cherry. Yeah. They had natural kind of a kind of a walnuty wood yeah. stain. I don't know what it was. Um, so you could never tell what the body was actually made of because they had this goofy stain. Yeah. I never liked that. And sometimes they have white ones mm-hmm. and black ones. Mm-hmm. And that's all about all I remember of, of yeah. the guild lines. You're right. There, there were some really but cool the colors. But the Armands had, I mean, they had champagne, they had gold, sparkle. They had champagne. Yeah. They had, you know, uh, cool jet black with binding. They had um, reds, brilliant reds. Yeah. They had rockabilly oranges. They had some transparent stuff. They had some transparent, um, transparent, um, you know, wood color that looked. You could tell what kind of wood was underneath. Yeah. It was just, it was cool. So that's when I fell in love with them. And then I kind of went backwards and started discovering the guilds again. Yeah. And and then, wow. Yeah. I mean, some of their acoustic stuff was amazing too. Which, yeah. Which, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, but, we'll uh, save that anyway. for another day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, quality. I, yeah. I mean, I, quality. I just love a great bargain. And I, I find these. Even though the prices have increased since when I first started buying them, um, they're still bargains. I mean, they're a third, maybe a quarter of the price of the same vintage Gibson or even a Fender. And, um, and they're wonderful instruments. I mean, they're, uh, again, I, I put some of the vintage ones up against any vintage uh, Gibson. And, you know, sometimes I might, you know, the guild might come out ahead. Hmm. Well, yeah, and they did use quality wood too. Totally. Because as those guitars dry out over the years, again, the resonance really kicks in. Yeah. And they're just they feel magical when you when you hold them in your hands. And if you know, not everybody could go out and drop 10 or 20 or 30 grand on a vintage Gibson, but you can, you know, that was my introduction to guilds is I was able to get into some really great guitars for not a lot of money at all. I mean, you know, there was a time before they even got a little more popular that you could find them for hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and they're they're gig ready guitars. Yep. You know, uh, so if you find one out there, well, you know, the, you know, the re-releases. So you know, actually, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I had just seen the psychedelic furs, Rich Good, uh, who's playing for them, uh, guitar for them now, um, not the original guitars. Uh, he was playing a black Starfire, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, he came up there, and I was like, oh, snap, that's a sweet-looking guitar. That's a Starfire. Yeah. For, for, yep, yep, yep. And yeah. uh, and I actually didn't realize that those were reissues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are... But still, I mean, the hardware is fantastic, usually Grover tuners, right? Yeah. They used a lot of Grover, yeah. Um, the bridges were always adjustable and and stable. Yeah. Well, why we talked a little bit about this. Why don't we talk about vintage and modern bargains? Vintage and mar- 
Modern Guild Bargains. Oh, Guild Bargains. Okay. Yes. So um, you see this from time to time, and there's always a, a label on the inside of the sound hole that tells you what the model number is, or mm -hmm. if depending on what the serial number is. But there were a lot of X, or I'm sorry, uh, T100Ds that maybe people unscrupulously converted into Starfires. Because a lot of the changes between a, you know, a T100D and a Starfire are cosmetic. Um, but essentially, they're, they're made the same. You can sometimes find, or if, 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 I mean, I think the T100Ds are still considerably less than a same-year Starfire. So if you want to get 90% there, 85 90% there, you can get a T100D for a little less money than an actual Starfire. Um, in the 70s, uh, Guild had a Japanese line uh, called Madeira, and there's some great instruments from that era, too. Uh, some acoustic guitars, some electrics, different things like I that. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. So they contracted with a Japanese company, and they made versions of, uh, of, of Guild guitars. Wild. And in the 80s, uh, you can find some Burnside by Guild, and again, these were import guitars. Uh, Guild helped with the design, lent their name to it. Um, and those are very inexpensive. Um, the ones we just talked about a little bit ago in the 90s and into the 2000s were these D'Armond line uh, that came about when Fender uh, released this, this line of guitars that were pretty much oh all our Guild guitars. Um, <laughs> I just saw this... Hor horrifying Guild Burnside Lance. Oh my goodness! It looks like a it looks like a space crab. That is <laughs> that is that is arguably the worst looking guitar I've ever seen. Nice. Oh my goodness! And you've seen some ugly ones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, not all Burnside by Guild are uh, you know worthy of oh, the name. Oh God! Oh my! That's oh, it's hideous. What? It's like what the heck? Whoa! It's like the first time you see the movie Alien. Oh <laughs> <It's> man! Like, <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Uh, okay, I retract that statement. No, but the uh, you know the the DRM online. I've owned several. I know Billy has some. They're really good guitars. Most were made in Korea. Um, they're they're worth checking out. In that same line. Once Fender phased out the D'Armon, they kept a couple of the models under the Squire uh, moniker. That's correct. And there's some, you can find some decent uh, versions of, of guilds under the Squire name, too. Yeah. Um, hey, just for fun, uh, m go look up Guild Burnside Crossbow or Lance. It's also a headless. It's a headless neck. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, my that's goodness. creepy. <laughs> it's like the that thing. That is bananas. Okay, continue. <laughs> Let's buy one for Andy. everybody. I know. All of our grand poovas have to play that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the what I really think are some of the best bargains out there is the current lineup uh, that uh, Cordoba has put out. Uh, they have basically the full model line, anything that you could want, whether it's a vintage style up to modern day stuff. And um, some are made in Korea, some are made in China, some are made in Indonesia. And they're very, uh, I think, 
aggressively priced uh, for uh, for entry level stuff, and uh, and there's some really cool designs. So I, I, those are definitely worth checking out. Now, those uh, you said the Cordoba. Yeah. Um, there's another Cordoba guitars out there. Well, Cordoba guitars is the um, the classical yeah. and the flamenco division. Right. They bought Guild guitars from Fender, and now they have the Guild line uh, as as part of the deal. Okay, but they're oh, acoustic. So Fender doesn't have Guild anymore. No, no, no. They were the the Fender sold. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, weren't you listening when I was doing the history? I lost too. That, that, yeah, that's you crazy. lost me about 1995. The, the, the <laughs> brand is, <laughs> but uh, but no, it's you know it, okay. There, I think it was 20, 2014. Wow. So um, so yeah, these. I feel are, like if you called up get Cordoba guitars and say hello, Cordoba guitars. <laughs> no, they don't answer the no. phone that way. <laughs> I want them to. <laughs> I am the most interesting. Hello, my friend. I am the Cordoba guitar. <laughs> I am the most interesting yes. guitar <laughs> in all the world. <laughs> I don't often play electrics, but when I do, it's a guild. <laughs> oh, boy. Ah. Tony, we've learned an awful lot about guild guitars. Yes. Uh, specifically electrics. Yes, specifically in this case. Can I, yes. can I, can I salute a couple of unsung heroes? Yes. I would like to do that. So I would like to salute uh, Leon Tell, who was vice president of Guild from 63 to 73. And then after Aldranja uh, was killed, he took over as president and he kept the That sounds thing. like a supervillain. <laughs> Aldranja. <laughs> right? Like a Bond supervillain. <laughs> Be nice. He's got a golden submarine or something <laughs> like that. Maybe he does. He might. He did. Go does ahead. He talk like a regular Continue. guy. Continue. I know him, and he does. Said. Okay. Um, and he was a president. He took over the presidency after uh, Al was killed, and kept the the company really afloat. He stayed uh, as president until 1983, um, and then you know I, I think that was an impressive 10 year run with what could have been. Really so bad the end of of the company. Yeah, um, I'm going to salute. And I don't often, but I'm going to salute Fender Mu- Musical Instrument Corporation. <laughs> okay. Without Fender buying, I, I think the brand would have gone under because Avnet went bankrupt. They were looking to unload companies, and Fender stepped up and bought it. And under uh, Fender's, um, you know, oversight. They did release and re-release some cool things like the S100. Uh, the Starfire line came back to life. So when Fender took over, you have to remember, there was no electric guitar production for seven or eight years. And then they started to reintroduce these things. Yeah, you know, the, the world of guitars, think about this for a second. There are not too many industries where, especially consumer industries, where brands have been gobbled up, changed hands, rebranded, reintroduced, reissued, shelved, squashed, buried, reincarnated, <laughs> resold. <laughs> I can't, I honestly, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain thinking of like what other product or industry 
has this same sort of like if you trace a family tree, huh, you're gonna be <laughs> and it's a complete mess. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's bizarre. And the only one that I can really think of is currently Volkswagen, which owns Audi, Bentley, Bugatti, yep. Lamborghini, Porsche, mm, Bugatti. and Scout, and Volkswagen. It's crazy. It's <laughs> total craziness. <laughs> it's madness. It's so crazy, man. <laughs> So there you have it, Todd. There you have it. That's and the, now you Guild, know the, the rest, rest of the, of the story. story. Yes. Uh, so Guild 101, Guild Electrics 101. That felt like 101 and 102. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my ears are people hurting. Are, people who are going to work going like, oh, my God, I can't go to work Stop. now. All that Stop. Stop. <laughs> I need a sick day. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, boy! Well, that was that was cool. I mean, we always I love learning new stuff, and that uh, this qualifies. So thank you, Tony. Thank you, Wonder Brain Superhead. <laughs> All right, we've got a very special segment that we got to do right now. That's right, Todd. Because at this point in the show, it's my favoriteest part in the whole wide world. What is that? That sounds like you're trying to be like a little <laughs> boy. I'm a little boy. I'm just a little guy. <laughs> Why do you gotta yeah. pick on me, Todd? <laughs> All right. This section of the show is known as "Would You Rather." Yeah, Billy. Would you like to give that a shot? You got your sing. You're doing your singing lessons. Do it. Would you rather? Let's that's, hear you, That's Todd. better. No, we're going with Billy. All right. I like okay. mine better. Mine is very sultry. Yeah, go. Not, just, uh, yeah, not yeah. so much. Would okay. you yeah. rather? Sausagey, yes. Sultry, no. Sausage. Go ahead. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Glad I thought of it. This week's Would You Rather is from our good friend, Bruce Bacon. Oh, Brucey. Bruce, he Bruce. is a nonstop, never-ending... He's a wealth A of wealth nonsense. of information. Yes. And suggestions. And nonsense. And nonsense. All right, we're going back to the hot tub time machine. My favorite. I get, I, you know, speaking of that, the most person that I get... Uh, uh, you look like this guy is Rob Corddry, oh. especially from Hot Tub Time Machine. I think it has to do with my attitude too. So, hmm. <laughs> please continue. Maybe it's your tattoos. No, no. So here it is. You can go back in time and give teenage you. Mm-hmm. Was okay. anybody not thinking of Huey Lewis in the news right there? Uh, just me. Okay, go ahead. Just you. Um, a guitar. Teenage, teenage me, I'm going to get a guitar. No, but you're going to go back and I'm give go you... Back and give myself a guitar. And you have to be careful because when paths cross, yeah. you can really... You can't mess with a space-time continuum. That is correct. Except you completely are. Well, you have to be very careful. Okay. Um, it can be done. I'll tell you how later after the show. Um, so here's the deal. You have to choose a guitar... New or used from the present. Oh, jeez. But your budget is $800 in today's money. Woof. But when you go back through time, the brand name, serial numbers, decals, and engravings will be wiped off, making this a player's guitar with little resale value. So you're going to find... A newer used guitar, $800 in today's market to give back to yourself 
back in time. And when it gets there, it's not going to have any markings on it, but it's going to be still a really, hopefully, playable guitar and really cool, but no resale value. No resale value. What's the rather part? <laughs> does, does it have one? <laughs> there is no rather. <laughs> so it's just a would you. This is a would you. <laughs> okay. We only this have a would you this, this week. What would you? This is what okay. happens when trees split would, on my property. Oh, boy. All hell breaks loose. Would you rather yeah. have a... Brucey will we'll let you slide on this one. Okay, so... So this is just kind of a it's a hypothetical yeah. situation. Yeah. Hypothetical situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll let it slide. And then it's there's a fun an question. And there's an extra credit question. Okay. All right. Assuming teenage you would listen, what piece of advice would you give? Oh my goodness sakes. I think well, I'd rather just get the guitar. You, well, is it, oh no, wait, that wasn't the rather. It was that's not the rather. So it's a you have to do two things, but you don't have a choice. Well, your choice this is, is a twist. okay. This, your choice is you have to find a guitar and today's money, $800, new or used, mm. that you can take back in time. Mm -hmm. And then what advice would you give to yourself? Ah. Okay, do you get it? Yeah, you following it? Yeah, I'll let you know what Bruce's answer after we answer. Okay. Tony, go ahead. So I think what I would do is find, um, gosh, what would be a good $800 player? Um, I mean, there's so many, $800 really. Yeah, that gets you a lot these days. I mean, it's going to be an import guitar if you're going to buy new. Sure. Um, but you could probably. You can get a lot of great stuff used too. Yeah. I mean, you could find some uh, $800 would buy you a lot. You know, in keeping with today's theme, sure. I'm going to find an $800 Guild guitar. Okay. And I'm going to take it back to myself. And I'm going to say, play this. Okay. And my advice to myself would be no matter how hard your fingers hurt, uh -huh. keep on playing, man. Because it'll help you in the long run. That's good. There you go. That's my answer. Final answer. All right. Okay. Billy? Okay. Uh, I, would, uh, I would get myself a Tokai Telecaster. Ooh, excellent choice. I hadn't thought about that. And for, yeah, for $800, I could, I could, get, the, I could get the Tele. With like a breezy sound. Yes. Tokai breezy sound. Mm-hmm. Change the pickups to something a little more hot. Yeah. And then I would tell my, I would give it to my teenage self, and I would say, it's all in the fingers. Mm. Alternative answer. Mm. I would buy myself, in today's money, an X160 Rockabilly Guild. Mm. And I would tell myself, my teenage self, it's all in the fingers. You can play anything on that thing. You can play acoustic stuff. You can play electric stuff. You can play hard stuff. You can play rockabilly stuff. You can play metal. It can do it all. It has DRM on pickups, mm -hmm. which are 
sensitive and yet somehow you can turn them up and they don't go crazy on you. You can turn them down and they get sweet, sweet, sweet. You can turn them all the way down, even sweeter. And um, they're just, it, it's truly a, an amazing guitar. Cool. All right. Todd? Okay, so originally, my uh, I ended up price check this, but when I got my Gibson double cut special, mm. I got it on reverb. And I think it was seven hundred dollars. I was the most expensive thing I'd ever bought. Mm. Like honestly, it was. It's kind of silly to say, but it was true. You should find a better job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it had it has gone up, so it's it's now over. You can't even get it, which is cool for me because that means it's worth something now. Um, I'm making money, hand over fist, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I really love playing my Hagstrom Viking. And that is, uh, those go for about 700, 700 bucks. Yeah. And um, I would send myself a black Hagstrom Viking because it's, it again, the playability, it's so, they're so comfortable and easy to play and they sound fantastic. Would it have a gold sparkle pickguard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what would your advice be? My advice, <laughs> I'll tell you what my advice would be. My advice would be to ignore... Uh, the 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 uh, pull quote from the guitar magazine that I read in the shop that is on the bottom of our website that says uh, f- playing it for me playing guitar is like falling down a flight of stairs and landing on my feet says Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Which made me think, and he he hadn't taken lessons up to that point. He was just starting to take lessons from Joe Satriani. And he was talking about, like, I've never had lessons. I'm like, sweet, I don't need lessons then. I would ignore that advice. <laughs> I would give myself some lessons and just get a better understanding of theory so that I could actually play a lead worth, you know, and yeah, worth some salt. I thought you were going to say, don't quit your day job. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's interesting, it's though. It's too bad you didn't but, take that advice but, when you were a teenager. Uh, yeah, but here's here's the weird thing is that... From your future self. On one hand, I wish I didn't take that advice, but on the other hand, I don't know that I would have written the same kind of music that I have up until this point. Yeah. Had I? Because I, I, would f- I might feel like I need to play things a certain way. Yeah. So... Then I would say, ignore the advice that my future self who visits you says, (laughs) which is to ignore the quote from Eddie, which would land me in the same position I am now. Perfect. I think Marty's parents just got back (laughs) together again. (laughs) I I think what you could say is... Everything I'm telling you is a lie, and I'm lying to you. Yes, something like that. All right. Well, this has been great fun, Tony. We need yes. to thank them. Thank hey, wait a minute. Did you want to hear about uh, Bruce? People. Would you like to hear what yes, Bruce? Yes. Please to tell say? us what Bruce has okay. to say. Uh, cousin Bruce says, uh, "My answers are a late '90s made in Korea Epiphone Sheraton with a five-piece neck. It's the antithesis oh, of the I super strats I liked at the time." 335 shape, semi-hollow, set neck with a stop tail bridge. I've and got a burst. 
I've got that same guitar. In the there Bruce. it is. That's a great guitar. Did 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 Bruce give it to you when no. you were a teenager? No. Okay. Um, and his advice: Don't compare yourself to others. Everyone is going to be better than you. So be creative with your own abilities to find your voice. Mm, excellent. Yeah. That's Good like advice. what I said. Yeah. Except different. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Except yours involved falling you down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyhow. Um, it's all in the hands. Yeah. It's all in the hands. Yeah. All right. That was super fun. Tony? Yes, right, Todd. At this point of the show, there's a very special group of people that we love to thank. These are our executive producers, and they make the show possible. What's an executive producer? It's a patron. A sponsor of the very podcast that you're listening to. How do you become one? You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. And check out a couple different levels in which you can participate, become part of the family, become mm. a sponsor of the podcast. Yes. Each level comes with some great thank you gifts. Um, but there's one thing more as an executive producer that you get. You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing, and that's you what get I'm... You go cut down a tree in your yard. <laughs> it's splintered. It's in a million pieces. Uh, so special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, yes. Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gimalero, Bilgola Guitars, John Esterly. Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, and Stuart George. Yes. Oh, but Todd, there's more because we have to thank these special, special, special executive producers we call our grand Poobas. These fine folks get a fez to wear upon their head while listening to this podcast. I believe if you're out there and listening, you must have your fez on. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Mm -hmm. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Marikishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean Etza, Eddie Serratos, and David Poe. Thank you. Thank you, one and all. We are so eternally grateful for your support. And not only for the patronage, but I have so many conversations with um, many of you. And I, and I really do appreciate it. I love hearing from you. 
uh, tone, we all love hearing from we you. Do. I always share all the messages and everything. So uh, sometimes I get my own direct. Sometimes, yes. Uh, so thank you. Now, Billy, where can people find you in what you do? Oh, um, well, I play lead guitar for the Mathematics in Columbus, Ohio. I'm on Facebook as Billy Spitfire. I'm on Instagram as Billy Spitfire. I also have a art page, an artist page yeah. on Facebook. Billy's a heck of a painter, by the way. Billy Spitfire Unlimited. He does walls. He does ceilings. <laughs> He's a good painter. Guitar knobs. <laughs> as long as the walls and ceilings aren't wearing any clothes. <laughs> well, he's a figure painter. Like a legitimately really good figure Is painter. Is that like a figure skater? Different. He, he does figure skate while he figure paints. Wow, that's cool. It is amazing. I'd like to see Tony, that Tony, where can people find you? Go over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the things I have available for sale. By and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're trying to do, and I'll take very good care of you. PickGuardian.com. Yeah. Billy also forgot to mention that uh, he plays in a really killer surf band. Oh, that's right. This the, is true. The Bastard Sons of Neptune. Yeah, mm. really good. I played bass in that band. Yeah, man. Dig it. Uh, you can send me an email, Todd at the guitar knobs.com. You can also DM me on Instagram. I will share messages and, uh, please send us your, would you rathers? And I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something else out there. You know, we've mentioned, we've had so many builders. We are up to 300 episodes or so. That's a lot of builders out there. And even if you haven't been on, if you want to get your stickers or pens or picks, in front of other people to help grow your audience or just, you know, connect with the rest of, you know, that that's what we give to our patrons. And we would love to give that, pay that forward on your behalf. So ascend, connect with me and, um, you know, we'll, we'll get your swaggy bits into our reward packages and stuff. Thank you, Tony, for sharing your knowledge. And, um, Thank you, Tony. Yeah, it's been really fun. Everybody else have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe! See you soon. My name is Michael. I got a nickel. I got a nickel shiny and new. I'm going to buy me all kinds of candy. Hi there. Toddy? Toddy, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, talk, go, uh, <laughs> talk, talk, oh, just make talk. a sound. Yes. I like that. All right. That's cool. Okay. Yes. All, right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Yes. All right. Can we just do this? Sorry. I got End a tree that's split. <laughs> It's a squirrel. Oh, what you got there? A little b- 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 bear. What do they call these things? Barista? B- 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 Gabrinita. B- 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 <laughs> Todd? Yes! <laughs> Dave? Yes! <laughs> Dave's not here, man. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, I can't hear myself very well. Okay. <laughs> yes! I, I, I primarily like to hear myself. Okay. Have you ever seen... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Peeing on your feet. <laughs> I got stung by a, I got stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> it's, a, it's a true story. <laughs> oh man. That's good. I can eat. Because they always did cool-looking record albums. All right, give me a roll. We'll go back to Merle Travis. Stick them. Well. Yes! Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.